Yo, what up, everybody? This is Roots to Grooves. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jesse Quigley. I'm Jay Purcell. Welcome along, everybody. Happy to be here, man. Yeah. Happy to be here on a beautiful day in Seattle. Summer's here, man. Yeah, summer's coming. The city is opening up again, it seems like. Mm-hmm. I was walking mm-hmm. around Pipe Place Market earlier. Loads of people. There's like queues around, lines around the block for like restaurants. It's pretty stuff. exciting. I couldn't get my nice egg kind of a breakfast oh, man. combo thing happening because there's so many people out. <laughs> like, we're, I guess it's a good thing, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Some people are getting used to used to the, the pandemic life where it's like, oh, there's no cars anywhere. There's no people, yeah. no lines. Yeah. For for a gentleman living in the city, it's kind of kind of nice, maybe. Yeah, but uh, anyway, whoa, whoa, and uh, the table there. In the, and I'm I'm about to go to New Orleans this coming week, mm-hmm. but by the time this episode comes out, it's in the past. Yes, so you just, will have. How was the trip? It was great. Yeah, nice. Fully open. That's great. There. Like, <laughs> there's an episode <laughs> of the drop, one or two. Poolside, like poolside, live from New Orleans. Yeah, Check I'm excited to see that. So everybody. Check out that YouTube. Yeah. Uh, but yo, what's up? It's Roots to Grooves. We're talking about Kikagaku Moyo today. A Japanese psychedelic acid rock um, indie mm-hmm. kind of droney band. Mm-hmm. Um, super cool. I mean, I guess it's essentially like a rock band, a psychedelic rock band, yeah. instrumental music. Um, not very poppy. No. Yeah. Just kind of like these songs kind of build up and, and drone along and it's really kind of puts you in a meditative state yeah. kind of thing. These aren't meant to be like, there's not big hooks. Um, it's not super poppy, but it's very good. It's very chill music. Um, so I keep it in the table a little bit. Um, but they have like three or four albums out. They're all super good, super consistent. They got, um, I think two EPs or an EP and a single that came out in 2020. So these guys are doing cool stuff. Yeah. Um, super tight knit group of five Japanese dudes. Yeah. I think out of Osaka, or yeah. were they? Um, or they might have been from a, a couple other places. Yeah, I think they like all lived in a house together in Tokyo, and that's yeah, kind okay. of when they were doing most of their genesis of starting the band up, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, kind of jam bandy almost a little bit. Like totally, yeah, sound. I, yeah. Um, a lot of really long songs, like. 10 minutes mm-hmm. 20 minutes yeah um that one we opened up with was actually probably their most sort of catchy song like kind of track kind of short and sweet so far yeah um off of their album masana temples i think i'm pronouncing that right masana that's how i yeah. pronounced it yeah yeah um but yeah a really good band i hadn't heard of them before um and uh, yeah how did you come across them right. uh, the, they were a random find from um i don't know somebody one of my spotify friends and I, you can see who's playing what. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it was either that or I had some songs playing on YouTube as, as I was falling asleep and they came up yeah. on a playlist or something and I was like, save. Nice. Back to sleep. Yeah. And then looked them up again the next day or whatever. And uh, yeah. I mean, it's just kept listening to them. They're super good. Yeah. I mean, it feels really good to put that music on. It feels really chill and meditative and relaxing yeah. even though they, they do rock a little bit yeah you know they are playing some like even power chords and it gets almost a little heavy for split, split seconds right yeah, yeah or at least some extended moments yeah um so it's exciting it's good they're very dynamic yeah um let's go over the the guys in the band on vocals and guitar we got tomo katsurada mm-hmm. guitar i and i'm pronouncing i hope i'm pronouncing these right dowd popel I'm just guessing here. Okay. On the sitar, an electric sitar, yeah. uh, Rue, Ryu, Kurosawa. Yeah. I'm struggling over here. I'm struggling with the first name. <laughs> right, I don't know how you pronounce Ryu, R-Y-U. Maybe you can Ryu. write in, listeners. Yeah, yeah. let us know. <laughs> or, or Ryu, if you're listening. <laughs> Please, we don't mean any Correct disrespect. Us. Exactly. Um, on bass guitar, Katsugai. Mm-hmm. And I think he goes by Guy. Okay. Yeah. I think. And then drums and vocals uh, go Kurosawa. Yeah. And are they brothers? Um, I didn't see that anywhere. but um, Yeah, I didn't see that either, but they just possible. have the same last name. Yeah. Okay, maybe. then we'll just go with that. We'll go with that for now. We're not sure. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe not brothers. I don't think they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, super cool. So, I mean, they were just kind of kids in, in J- Japan. Yeah. And then they, they had a love for music and they were all kind of doing different stuff. Yeah, it seems like um, I think it was Go. I think Go met Tomo. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I and I'm not I can't remember exactly who was who. I should have wrote written better notes, but I think one of them found one of the other ones. I think it was Guy or Tomo, and he was recording sounds from a vending machine, like <laughs> in town somewhere, because mm-hmm. he was working on some other project mm-hmm. for school or something. And they're like, "Oh, you wanna you like recording music? You wanna be in a band?" Yeah. And so they you know gathered him up. I imagined as I was reading some of this through, it was like like a superhero show, and they're like gathering the <laughs> Avengers, like going through the city of in Japan, like. <laughs> You play drums? Come along, and, and, yeah, and now we're like we're like rolling <laughs> to the studio or something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then uh, do you know how any of them else met? Um, I don't uh, really know that. I think they kind of started busking a lot on the streets of Tokyo in summer of 2012. Is kind of when it right. first came up about. Um. So I'm not really clear on how they all met, but. Um, they started, I think, at that point to just share a house together mm-hmm. um, where they could make a lot of sound. Yeah, right. In. And um, yeah, they said the busking was crazy. They said they play outside the train station. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they'd just be doing jamming, whatever, and then people would come up and join in. And crazy people on the street would just like start dancing and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, so these guys, so, they really came, you know, started from the bottom, literally just busking yeah. around. They formed this band really organically yeah they didn't have a big they weren't they didn't have managers they didn't have you know they were starting from the bottom just kids yeah. busking they said they, they'd go into the mountains and play yeah sorry I keep hitting this table Ooh. i'm doing a little squiggle thing i'll stop doing that sorry everybody <laughs> we'll cut this out no i'm just kidding huh. um, but yeah they'll go into the mountains and play or they'll just go and camp for a while and like they really kind of take music seriously yeah um like not that other people don't that we we talk about but i just love how kind of grounded they are with it and they have like this experience in the mountains and they they're like how can we make this how can we translate it into music yeah and that's super cool because i think a lot of people are trying to do that with music is how to translate these emotions yeah and communicate that through the the sounds um yeah because i think they also said like tokyo can be a very intense city at times kind of thing mm -hmm. so they like to go out to the wilderness to sort of reflect and write music and chill out and have just a different you know change of scenery kind of thing Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i've been to tokyo once and it's yeah it's very compacted like you know i I managed to go up to this place called tokyo tree tower i think is the name of it it's like really really tall building and i'm don't like heights <laughs> i was kind of dizzy when i went up there because also like it's kind of like the space needle like the top of it's circular okay so you're inside and you can walk around it but the floor is like tilted that way so as you're walking around you're kind of going down and then up and that just added to the disorientation <laughs> yeah that, that like getting some vertigo yeah so you got that going on and also the views are like as far as the eye can see is just city and That's you're that insane. high up and it's just like buildings and city and lights and that's stuff like insane that. i would love to go visit one day i've never been yeah, yeah. that must have been amazing it's, yeah crazy city i didn't really get to like do too much there's like a few neighborhoods um i'm blanking on the names of right now but um like really sort of cool neighborhoods for like bars and stuff like that yeah uh, yeah but a lot to explore everyone's smoking there in restaurants and and oh they, like they haven't changed those rules no, so you yeah. can just smoke in restaurants yeah and stuff? just like chain smoking and oh. everywhere kind of thing and uh that's cool yeah it was uh yeah it was crazy crazy city they have a lot of these um vinyl uh um bars where it's just like a bar of like stocked full of vinyl records kind of thing Mm -hmm. and they have this weird thing cover charges is a big thing over there like you have to pay like 20 bucks or whatever to get into a place and then you have to pay for the cocktails and drinks and whatever but then you can get to like play like whatever right records the guy has up there kind of thing sounds cool yeah i haven't really encountered that too much anywhere else other than like there was a few of those types of places out there we'll have to go out there one day do a roots to groove on location yeah yeah Yeah. that'd be super cool but speaking of kind of the the city and the culture yeah um as far as as music scenes go it seems like it's kind of hit or miss or a lot of stuff is Mm -hmm. for example kikagaku moyo the band would have to do pay to play shows Mm. Um, when they were starting out and it's like these scenes are kind of there is music going on there and there's some cool stuff and we'll get into that later because they ended up starting a, a record label to help these other bands get yeah. a little more notoriety and be able to play easier um, do do live shows for other people around the world um, but yeah they would have to start to pay to play so it's kind of a that's just kind of a tough thing and then and I think it was I think it was uh, 
I don't know, Tomo or the guitarist or the drummer, one of the guys in the band, I'm sorry. Um, but he was just talking about how they have to do that. And then it's just, you know, the people in the audience are just a few of your friends, like three friends. And if anybody has a girlfriend mm-hmm. and there's like one random guy. And so it's kind of like sad, yeah. kind of a, <laughs> kind of a lame thing. And you, you, you paid to be there. Right. But I guess that was kind of a popular thing. Yeah. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure why, just based on the culture, based on, um, you know, what, what, what they're allowed to do. Cause this is like a psychedelic progressive band essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe not all this music jives with like the greater idea of where these Japanese people are in their head as far as culture and what's allowed and what, what, yeah. what you should like and what, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't mean to like, well, I shouldn't even say anything cause I don't know enough about it. I think it's interesting cause a lot of the influences say, they say come from like seventies kind of rock mm-hmm. and psychedelic rock from that era kind of thing. Um, they said they also listen to all kinds of different music, but you know, which is kind of what makes the, the them coming right. together so interesting because each person's listening to rock or jazz or I, I think some know. like one guy's into metal, yeah, like some yeah. heavier stuff, yeah, yeah, and then the sitar guy, yeah, um, like he was, I think he was somewhere in Japan, like what was he doing? I I'm sorry, I can't remember the stuff off the top of my head today, yeah. um, but he was he was doing some class or no, I think he was in India. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and that's where he, he went to India to learn. That's what I was trying sitar, to. Sitar is what I heard. Right. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. trying to bring up. I need to wake up, <laughs> get some coffee or something. But yeah, so he learned the the electric sitar in India, and then he came back to Japan to be in the band. Yeah. Again, I'm not sure how they they met or whatever, but you know. So I mean, we're talking about metal music. Yeah. Indian sitar, psychedelic rock. These guys are all yeah. over the the place with their inspirations um what they said was interesting about the psychedelic part of it as they said um you know like in other parts of the world that type of music has a kind of association with drug culture right mushrooms and lsd and all that sort of thing and they said in japan it's not really linked or like especially psychedelic but not any basically no music is really linked to like the drug scene it's more about like the fashion of it kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So, you know, there isn't that for Japanese people listening to this music, there isn't that association with like, you know, LSD, mm-hmm. all those famous people in the sixties and seventies that went around yeah. the US, the on Beatles. The and, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, so yeah. there's the whole scene, but that's, yeah. it's cool how they can develop the same scene as far as the music goes, but not, really associate the drug culture with it yeah so like same but different yeah and that's pretty cool yeah. um yeah 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 so where where we go from here i mean i guess i, I kind of want to play another track yeah they've loaded up and then we can get into they start making some music they start playing some shows well so their first album uh self-titled kikigaku Mayo, came out in 2013 and i think from what i hear is they wrote and recorded it all in like a week or less than a week. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, and because they jam a lot, I think they were writing as they like recorded, like literally hit record and like were playing. Kind of thing. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think so. they like to keep the energy live as possible. So yeah. like they would go far as to not play it. Yeah, you know, over and over again. Yeah. They just want to, They want to keep that super live sound. Yeah, because it is kind of a jam band. And some of these interviews, I think, like Fish was mentioned. Yeah, you know, another big famous jam um, jam band. Yeah, and this bad German band, I think, called Can as well. Can yeah. okay. I've heard they have one really popular track that just gets played a lot on like people's playlists. Like I've heard it playing in like coffee shops and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I shazammed it once when I first heard that, and I was like, oh, okay, it's this band oh, okay. Can. Like, you think I would recognize it? Um, yeah, I, I can spin a little bit. Of okay, it. I think you you might. It's kind of like their most popular track. It's called Vitamin C. I'll just spin a little bit of this. Here we go. Don't recognize it. I don't recognize it. This is really good. Should we let this play? I mean, yeah, I like it. Vitamin C or vitamin C, depending on where you're from. Oh. 
by can tomato tomato yeah i loved that that was great yeah it was really funky uh, i shazammed that when i heard that nice. somewhere playing and then i was like oh okay it's just like from the 70s i think i tried to check out some of the stuff nothing mm-hmm. as catchy as that but they're definitely an influence for kikigaku mayo where uh, where's that band from uh can is from germany okay Cool. Um, I mean, that's 70s. great. Uh, yeah, so they took an improvisation, improvisationary, improvisatory. Wow, oh, nice. approach to rock music. Um, also, there's like hooks, but like heavy grooves. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, yeah. So that was yeah. Like how it kind of like faded out and went like kind of trippy at the end. Yeah, some weird. Just kind of like some high vibration stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was cool. I was, I was like, it was lulling me. Yeah. into another world definitely which i love which yeah, yeah. uh is what kikigaku moyo does for me too so that's why i wanted to bring it to the table today yeah yeah um so real quick what what does that mean what's what is kikigaku moyo where did they get that name as far as i know the name translates to geometric patterns yeah and i think as far as i don't know a little little tiny bit of a story is that he was they were playing and they were early on in the in the group's history and um I think they were playing and they were practicing a lot like into the middle of the night because they had to work all day. Mm-hmm. So these guys were you know, working and then trying to get this band off the ground. And so they'd be playing all night. And one of the things they would do is they would kind of try to outplay each other because nobody would want to be the first one to stop. Because <laughs> like the, the last one playing is like you're the most musical. <laughs> like you're the, you're the kind of the best musicianship. Okay. If you're, you know, nobody wants to be like, okay, I'm done with this song. Yeah. So they kind of have this, this air of, competition as far as yeah playing goes yeah um which is good but they'd be playing super late into the night and they'd be getting really tired and so they'd almost start to have these psychedelic experiences a little bit just from lack of sleep right and so i think it was um tomo or the guitarist and he would like close his eyes because he's basically falling asleep but still trying to play because he doesn't nobody none of the guys want to be the last one (laughs) or they all want to be the last one playing but none of them want to be the first one out yeah Kind of, so it's almost like a game, but he would start to see these geometric patterns in his eyes. Uh, and so kind of as much of a psychedelic trip as anybody else could get without the drugs. Yeah, yeah. And so he kind of, um, you know, kind of put those ideas together and made total sense. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. Because uh, I think that's like something they say a lot is like, <clears throat> it's kind of about escaping in the music. Yeah. Um, and just sort of like, yeah, going to another place pretty much and mm-hmm. then channeling that through their instruments and, and yeah. together is like what kind of what they really talk about a lot i think yeah yeah the instruments yeah. and the, the music is their drugs yeah yeah and so they're they're really high when they're playing yeah <laughs> but but sober yeah, as far yeah. as i know i think they actually don't do any drugs or anything i didn't see that come yeah. up anywhere i think they're pretty much Not i don't really know if they're know. straight edge but they probably smoke cigarettes yeah i've seen them drinking in interviews they're probably drinking uh, yeah but cool. um but just yeah. as like such a psychedelic band not doing any psychedelic drugs, and I didn't see that come up in any of my research. No. Yeah. That they even experimented ever? I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Again, let us know if we miss something huge. Yeah. They're just out there in the mountains taking peyote. Yeah. Making <laughs> these albums or something. Yeah, these know. guys are like the highest guys ever. <laughs> They're... But anyway, um, so let's play track off that first album. Okay, yeah. Uh, and let, let's get into it, and then we can see what they did from there. Um, do you, So which album did you... Do you so you kind of had a discovery of them just randomly, like one of the tracks popped up for you, sort of thing? Was that? Um, I I just the album I discovered them was, um, I think it was their later album called Masana Temples. Okay, yeah, that's where I discovered them, but they're that's not their first album. Yeah, uh, yeah, the first one is self-titled. It's, I'm doing a little bit of live searching for it right now because it's not on Spotify, which is my go-to platform of choice oh <laughs> but they do have um they do have it on their band camp which a lot of artists are doing i've noticed sean lee as well that we talked about um jazz and Lover as well a lot of those guys mm-hmm. their early early stuff if you can't find it anywhere try and find their band camp yeah and then you'll like be sure to find it there you can Could- even buy it if you want buy physical copies i think mm-hmm. band camp as well yeah, and that's one of the cool things because this first album they just put it out themselves. They're one hundred percent DIY. Yeah, um, and and these guys like they were in college and they were they were printing out their own like kind of psychedelic, colorful, colorful posters. Yeah. And they even got in trouble because they were like the the attend the uh, who the authorities of the school were like, why are these posters everywhere? What's going on? You can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Damn. Um, but you know, just very DIY. 
yeah. busking in the train station, yeah. making their own posters, creating their own music with no drugs, just really you know DIY, doing it real. Yeah. And it's super cool. So it's pretty inspiring to see just some kids start a cool band yeah. from scratch. Definitely. And we can talk a little bit more about that DIY approach as we go along. But I'll play the first track from their first album. Perfect. It's called Can You Imagine Nothing? Mm. Can you imagine nothing, question mark, from <laughs> Kiki Go, Mayo's first album, self-titled. And uh, I think they mentioned um, the vocalist there. She has sort of collaborated with them here and there on a few things. Her name is Angie Gatopo. I think she's from Portugal originally. Okay, cool. Um, but she's living in Tokyo and got involved with those guys. And uh, yeah, that's her. Nice. Vocals there. Yeah, I think maybe earlier I said it's it's mostly instrumental music, but they definitely do have some vocals on yeah. a good amount of tracks. Yeah, yeah. I'd still, it's mostly instrumental mm-hmm. though, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, the core members of the band, you know, are just instrumentals. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing, so. But yeah, and the vocals they do do mm-hmm. are, are really cool and really chill. I mean, I mean, just that track though, thanks for playing that. It was super chill. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just very old sounding. Definitely yeah. a vibe. I could just lie back. Yeah, that was just, a great opening to the album as well. I want to hear all the rest of the albums. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just it kind of sucks yeah. you in with their their chillness. Yeah, and I love it. So that's yeah. what they're up to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we can talk a little bit about their DIY, how they're writing songs and everything. Yeah. Because they're obviously like pretty good at creating a vibe, right? Yeah. So, um, I have a quote from Go mm-hmm. Go Kurosawa. Honestly speaking, I don't really think of music, especially our music, as art. To me, the word art means something that is highbrow or conceptual, whereas music is something more primitive and impulsive, something that brings pleasure to both the body and the soul. Mm. It's like, damn. Yeah. I mean, that's so great. What a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or whatever monologue for whatever interview that came from. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But I mean, that's cool. That's, that's pretty heavy to say, like, I don't even think my music is art. I yeah. think it's above art. Well, like, and he's not saying necessarily above art. I'm just joking. No, I mean, I agree with that. I don't think I've ever really thought about music as art. Have you? I, don't, I mean, it is an art form. but For I sure. Really I think that. everyone can see how it's somewhat of an art form, like, oh, painting, sculpting, music. Like, yeah. it's in there in the art world, but I think music does transcend just art. Like, I think yeah. it's, it's like literally communicating different emotions yeah. and, and translating that kind of like spiritual energy yeah. and communicating that between different people you yeah. know it's it's a language yeah yeah i mean i think it's interesting like yeah i've heard a few people say that about art like a, the word art seems highbrow mm-hmm. it makes you think of like galleries or like that, pish like, posh like oh yeah. i'm gonna buy the expensive the most expensive <laughs> art piece in the gallery objet d'art, mm-hmm. whatever they say um but like yeah, because I was just thinking that as you were saying that, but like you know, art, visual art can make you feel emotions as well. Totally, you know, and you know, but music is very much. I mean, that's what it does, right? It makes you feel things. It's very much emo- about the good music is about the emotions and the experience mm-hmm. of listening to it. I think, yeah, yeah, it's a, it, it's yeah. an experience, yeah. and it's. I mean, I heard somebody describe it once, like like painting is is decorating space. Mm-hmm. and music is decorating time Ooh, that's a good quote where'd you get that from <laughs> i don't know where i got it i gotta find that out it wasn't you can own that because like that's your it, that's yours i said it right here on rooster grooves <laughs> that's the tweet yeah yeah we're gonna do it we start tweeting some uh <laughs> choice things from these episodes we, yeah we're definitely gonna get to twitter i don't know why we haven't yeah. yet yeah yeah but i mean yeah so i mean i thought that was a cool quote and then yeah go kurosawa's quote is really cool so they're just kind of coming from a real you know, chill place, a real grounded yeah. place of how to create and they're aware of what they're creating and what they want to do. Yeah. Um, and so I just think that's dope. Yeah. I, I saw that 
they all write like four or five songs per month. Yeah. And the drummer and the vocalist, um, who who is Go Kurosawa, mm-hmm. they like they, they they'll rarely rarely take a day off and then they'll just upload the stuff that they have to a Dropbox mm. and then they share it through there and they can each write their parts and stuff and just kind of keep this constant cycle of creation going. Yeah. So they're creating stuff on their own, putting it into a big pile and then yeah. digging through the pile and seeing what they got and what they want to do with that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I like that approach. Yeah. A fountain of ideas, a well of ideas. A well, that's a good a way well. to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, um, where are we at? I think they just, they just, we're doing the same thing. They were figuring out the pay to play. They were like, we don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, they had enough. And I think they went on, they started an Australian tour. Yeah. That was the first thing they said. I think it's because they said that they, I think they saw something that was happening in Australia and they were like, you know, oh, you know, if we want to be serious, like we should go there mm-hmm. and like play some shows kind of thing. And then I think they went to Melbourne is where they went. And, uh, which I've also been to. And I have to say, because I went to Australia for the first time a couple of years ago. And like I've always, you know, it's always been a place that I want to go to. It's very far away. Sure. Hard to get to. Kind yeah. of thing. But when I went there, I went to Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne. And out of all of those three, Melbourne was the best place really? to be. Because um, like, yeah, like Sydney was just, it's like the main city. It's not in the capitals. Like the capital, I think, of Australia is Canberra, when no one goes there. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so everyone thinks about Sydney. and uh, I think everybody thinks Sydney is the capital. Yeah, the people, uh, people do, but it's not. Um, and I did, I did go to one rock club in Sydney, which is really cool, and there was like some bands playing there, and I was talking to some people there, and they were like, yeah, like, but everything kind of shuts down like real early. Mm-hmm. Like about one o'clock, like there's nothing happening in Sydney. And also after 1 a.m. in Sydney, the bar is still open to like 2 a.m., but if you leave at 1 a.m., they won't let you back in hmm. to any place. Okay. So you kind of have to stay in there. Um, but sure. yeah, but, but when I went to Melbourne, it was like, it was much more, um, uh, I don't know, Bohemian's not such a great word, but you know, that it was like a little bit more culturally vibrant. Yeah. There seemed to be a lot more stuff going on. I think that's like where, um, oh, not the Avalanches, but uh, there's this other big band out of Australia that is uh, pretty big that does some good stuff and they're from Melbourne, kind of big B-E kind of funky stuff. Shane hmm. Hans mentioned them to us before, I think. I think they have a bear in the title or something like that, or nah, not ringing any bells. But <laughs> black bear, no bear, grizzly bear. Um, no, I don't know. Um, I do not know. But anyway, so but I think they wanted to go there because I mean they they were like, well, we have to pay hundreds of dollars to pay to play a show. Yeah, that nobody comes to. Yeah, we can go to Australia and they'll pay us. Yeah. And there'll be an audience, and they're yeah. like actually pumped about seeing live music. Yeah. And there's, I think, you know, the culture is different. Obviously, it's a different country, different continent, different culture. Yeah. So the people kind of take it differently. And I think in J- Japan, it's like they, it was more difficult to get their psychedelic music yeah. out and in front of people. Yeah. And so going to another place just kind of allows them to have that much more freedom yeah. and get in front of that many more faces. Um, and I think they, they made a huge, awesome decision by doing that and then they kept along that path and they're like like let's let's play everywhere except for japan yeah and they started touring more and more yeah um as the kind of years progressed um so i think yeah i, I don't know it was great yeah i think that really sort of invigorated them going to melbourne and doing those shows there and getting that response from people kind of thing mm-hmm. and like oh you know okay we should do more stuff outside of japan is what they said i think you know yeah, which is kind of a bummer because it's like, yeah, you'd want to be accepted by your own culture, your own people. Yeah, but I guess it's a little bit of a divided thing with the the psychedelia, yeah, culture. They don't want that to mix with like the traditional Japanese culture or yeah. something. Like I don't know. I sh- again, I shouldn't speak about stuff I don't know too much about. But I'm just going off the interviews and yeah. and reading about this band. It's like that's kind of how they were feeling. Yeah. Like there's some kind of discrepancy, something disparate that they're not getting along with the the way that shows are yeah. promoted. Yeah. And stuff like that. And it was easier to go outside of the country to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it was like, from my recollection of Tokyo as well, I did go to like a couple of clubs, but they were like DJ clubs. And mm-hmm. there was like one place I went to and it had like three rooms. One was like hip hop. One was like electronica dance type stuff. Um, you know, and also I think there was this thing, I can't remember the name of the guy that are doing it, but for a while there was this one DJ that was like doing these kind of illegal street parties in Tokyo kind of thing. Sounds cool. Yeah, he'd like literally rock up with his PA speakers and turntables and just have an impromptu like street party kind of thing. And they kept doing it for a while until they kind of started to get shut down and stuff like that. Yeah. I was like, damn, I want to wish, wish but, I kind of was there for that type of thing. That would have been great. But, um, but yeah, anyway... Um, yeah, I mean, so well, so taking it even further than them coming out of, uh, you know, Japan as as the couple of the members like actually relocated to Amsterdam, right? Is kind of uh, the big thing. I think there's Go and Tomo. Is that I think? Yeah, are the two guys that relocated to Amsterdam, right, to set up their record label, um, Guru Guru Brain. Yeah, great Guru, name, Guru Guru Brain. Yeah. Um, and they said because like Amsterdam is like the center of Europe kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So if they can be there, then it's great for them to be able to tour the rest of Europe. And it's easy to get to America as well. They said, because Amsterdam has an international airport. Yeah. So they're kind of more over. centered. Yeah. I mean, centered around, you know, Europe being the central kind of location. They decided yeah. to set their, their, um, their label up right there. And that's kind of their home base. Yeah. So then I, you know, I'm I'm thinking of a map in my head. So if you're like looking from left to right, and you have Japan, is usually on the right side of our mm-hmm. uh, USA map. Mm-hmm. So then they can fly over to Europe, and then they can fly over to America. Yeah. Um, kind of just more of a central location to help these other bands that they want to bring up and promote, and make it that much easier for logistics. Yeah. And for getting around, you know, Europe because that's where they kind of made a big stand and had a lot of, they were a lot more accepted. Yeah. Than in Japan. Yeah. And another great, great kind of business idea. Yeah. Even though that separates the band, you know, like. It, yeah, they said it was weird because like half like the other members are still living in Japan. Yeah. And, which uh, would often seem like if half the band moves to another country, like yeah. mm, maybe this band isn't really <laughs> going anywhere because they just moved away. It's hard but enough just, when we live in Seattle and people move to LA. Exactly. You know? That's. <laughs> we, uh, oh. <laughs> we're not doing another thing anymore exactly <laughs> so we know exactly how that goes but it just yeah. goes to show how tight-knit they are with each other how how much they got like a brotherhood going on yeah they're willing to to stay in this band and, and continue to push yeah. and and create this awesome thing that's even huger than their band being their label yeah guru 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 brains yeah um so super cool i mean yeah. it's just inspiring to see these guys want to do this so much yeah. and making it happen and helping these other bands come up with them yeah, and they said about the label, like it really is primarily about um, the artists that they know and love from their hometown and mm-hmm. home city, Tokyo, and about bringing them outside of Japan. And yeah, and they said the whole thing about being in Amsterdam is like, you know, they have a house. So any artist that comes over, they can have a place to sleep, kind right. of thing. They can use their backline, backline being the technical term for mm-hmm. like instruments and equipment and stuff like that. You know, so literally they can just hop on a plane, go to Amsterdam, have a place to stay, have all the gear so they can do shows. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's really quick to like go. Like in London, you could fly to London in like less than an hour and be doing shows there. Yeah. And they also said about that as like, it's good because then he said, you know, they'll go on tour through Europe, but they could just like go home for the weekend because mm-hmm. it's so close together kind of thing. Like, so, yeah, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I've never yeah. explored Europe, but yeah, it's very it's a lot a great of, idea. I'm like, damn, maybe I should I mean, go be based in Amsterdam. <laughs> I, I, I would love to check out Amsterdam too. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. of my favorite places. Like, yeah, it's only three places in the world that I could see myself living in that I visited. That's one of them. That's one of them. Uh, it was Hong Kong, Amsterdam, and New Orleans. So nice. Those are the only three places in the world I visited that I'm like, yeah, I could. I could chill here. I, I feel good here. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you go to Amsterdam. I'm coming to Amsterdam. <laughs> exactly. That's all I'm saying. Um, but, um, but so yeah. great. They set up shop there. Yeah, and then they're still making albums. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. Just to say, it's super cool how they're they're kind of creating this ecosystem for their band and their music and the bands that they love. Yeah. And they're kind of being that entity that 
would have been like they wish they would have had when they were trying to when they were busking in the train stations and yeah making posters themselves and paying venues to play at their venue yeah and they're kind of being that entity to help these other bands do it so they're kind of like you know paying it forward is that what they yeah that's what, yeah exactly like paying it yeah. forward yeah. um you know treating others as you want to be treated a little golden rule in here too yeah so pretty cool yeah. so i mean i just like i really identify with these guys because they're just hitting all the spots like business decisions music decisions are coming from the right space in their head yeah. and they seem super chill and really really cool down to earth oh yeah dudes totally you know so that's one of the reasons why i like them and then the music is obviously i mean it's unfathomable like listen to it it's so good yeah, yeah. it's so it's it's more than any scene too it's it's not just psychedelia it's not just 70s rock or 60s psychedelic stuff yeah like you've heard before like it really feels like i mean they're going they're going they want to incorporate like space yeah like like universal sounds and universal spiritual vibes yeah, yeah so they just go really above and beyond and it really hits hard for me so i love it Definitely. um so i mean yeah where are we at let's let's play another track yeah um in 2013 was their next one is that is that right because some of them aren't on spotify like we said uh, so great resource for everyone i discovered this probably halfway through our seasons of yeah Greece yeah Greece. obviously i still have some research <laughs> things i gotta um, figure out discogs.com is a really good resource nice i discovered um they have everything on there they have the proper chronological order of the albums you can't play the albums on there it's just listed just listed yeah. got you and you can uh see all the credits for each album cool. who worked on it and stuff like that also if you're into vinyl this isn't i guess this is kind of an ad for discogs but we're not sponsored by them <laughs> um you can you can list your whole vinyl collection on this site and if you wanted to sell anything people can like buy it from you and vice That's versa cool. if like if you like so if you go to kikigo myo's page you can see all the reviews of the vinyl quality a lot of people were just looking when we were playing the last track they were saying that the pressing of their first albums were kind of cheap uh-huh. and not so good and they were like some people were saying how many copies of this misprint is out there <laughs> a not so but then another guy was like oh yeah but it kind of fits the sound of the of, of them that their was final just, copy of what would it, what would a low low budget piece of vinyl sound like is it just more is it crackly is it just bad sound quality like not high fidelity well weirdly a lot of people were saying about the quality of the packaging which is like okay to, to me neither here nor there but, right but I think, yeah, I've had like bad um, vinyls and it's just like, yeah, the, the sound quality is just really thin. Mm-hmm. There's no body to it. You have to really kind of put it through some system where you can tweak the EQs to get right. a good sound out of it kind of thing. I think the best vinyls I've ever had are like the really thick ones, the heavy ones. Mm-hmm. Like I think because the needle really digs into the thing. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. and it's more meaty. Meal meaty. Mastering is a whole other thing that I've heard about like, you have to like master your songs differently for vinyl versus that's like what I've streaming seen. and stuff like that. Right. So it's part all of that. I think like so many factors that can go into making a good vinyl or mm-hmm. not. You know. So so complain about it if you want. Oh, this is a cheap <laughs> vinyl. That's great. But like these guys are yeah. just some punks that were busking in a train station in exactly. Japan and they're doing it themselves and they're paying to press their own records. Yeah, so. that's huge. And that's yeah. you know, vinyl's not cheap even for the cheap ones. I'm sure. You know, it's yeah. I wanted to do that for my music and for uh, no. waiting lists as well. I've heard like if you want to get something pressed on one, you can wait as much as like six months for yeah. it to be like produced or something like it's that. It's insane. It's not as yeah. easy as just you know. Here's my music. Send it and exactly, yeah. next day air it on Amazon. Yeah, like yeah, I, I think we should be there, <laughs> but we're not. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, yeah, the whole vinyl thing. Vinyl's kind of coming back. Yeah. Over the last decade or so. I do like it. That's cool. It's, it's a whole experience thing for me. We have the vinyls here in the studio, mm-hmm. you know, and. I don't have the turntable here. It's still at the old office that is still there. Or we're still getting set <laughs> up, studio. Though. Yeah, but um, yeah, I just like the whole experience of um, putting it on, you know. You have to get up mm-hmm. you know, after like 20 minutes or whatever and change, change the side. Around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know. so I, I think that goes with <clears throat> Kikagaku Moyo's music because they're, they're, they're creating an experience. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a cool decision to, to make their first album on vinyl. Because that's yeah. not an easy task or not a cheap thing to do. Yeah. Um, but it but it enhances the experience of like physically holding a record, looking at the album art, yeah. placing it on there yourself, and it makes you kind of feel like you're part of the music. 
yeah part of the experience that you know you're part of kikagaku moyo in a way um and that's great yeah. i love it and it fits the style of music you know like you say like, uh people that really like their music i think are people that would buy vinyl records because their mm -hmm. sound is retro and you know reminds you a lot of the 70s stuff that totally. came out you know so but um yeah i mean so i have this track uh from i think it's the one two three fourth album let's do it 2016 house in the tall grass um i am i did go through and pick some of the the shortest tracks because they have really long like you know 10 minute jams yeah go listen to these but, long ones on your own we yeah, won't yeah. you know we're trying to keep it short and sweet here keep give us everybody sweet. a taste yeah, but yeah. go you know get that full meal deal yeah. with a starter salad and dessert on your own <laughs> grab their vinyl from discog.com i guess yeah yeah discog sponsor us thank you yeah great great site so yeah basically i have that up now for any discographies okay orders cool so that'll never be a problem for us again here on roots to grooves um <laughs> this track is called oh, here we go kogarashi i think kogarashi kogarashi yeah oh, cool That was a bop. Yeah. And you pronounce R Ryu. Oh, that yeah. Ryu, that's his name? Yeah, look that up. He's the sitar player. Okay, cool. Mario. And um, I think they are brothers. Okay, cool. I also yeah. just found that out. Great. So we're just adding on to we're this. adding on. Pile it on. Anything we got. And it was interesting. There's like a um, video on YouTube. I think it's Reverb or some site like that um, where they interviewed Ryu about playing the sitar and mm -hmm. sort of walking through a little bit his setup and how he does it because um i think traditionally it's like an acoustic instrument right and he's electrified it he's like put pickups on there mm -hmm. and he puts it through pedals and he's like creating all these different sounds with it um he said you know um one of the things he's trying to do is different differentiate the sound of it from the guitars kind of thing mm -hmm. that are in the band and try and do a little bit more sort of interesting things with it um but yeah he electrifies it puts it through pedals puts it through an amp so i mean it almost sounds like a guitar though yeah it does yeah. and at, at you know and he's doing different things on different tracks but yeah. uh, some of the parts where he it almost sounds similar to a guitar and there's a guitar playing a line and the sitar's playing a line and it's almost like similar to two guitars playing and kind of harmonizing together yeah but it's cool because it's got that sitar sound with a guitar yeah. kind of vibe going with it with the actual guitar yeah and so it's just a cool mix match that you never yeah. you don't see too much in i think it's in, cool in western pop music yeah i think you could probably sort of like make it sound like a guitar for certain parts of songs mm -hmm. and then come out of that and then do the whole sitar yeah vibe so i mean that's just dope he's yeah, like yeah. Ah, you know you think of like a, a guy in india like sitting on the dirt like yeah, yeah, yeah. Ding, ding. <laughs> but he's like no nah, let's plug this baby in yeah 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 that's ordered fair. some pickups from uh, Amazon, just exactly. put them on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it sounds great. So super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th these guys gained notoriety. They're like one of the most acclaimed bands in the alternative psychedelic scene now. Mm. They've played at Bonnaroo Music Festival in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, End of the Road Festival, Green Man Festival, both in the U.K. Yeah. Um, Concrete Glass in China. Mm. Um, they've been commissioned by world famous fashion brands like Gucci or Izzy Miyake. Mm. Da, da, da. Um, yeah, I mean, they're getting good reviews from Mojo and Uncut, which I think are a couple other mm -hmm. um, labels. And they also did a, a set here at KEXP. Yeah, so they've done a couple out here, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah, one of them was like a whole live show at uh, this venue called Triple Door. Um, where oh, they, yeah. Where they did that live on stage in front of an audience. They filmed it all, uh, videos on YouTube for people to check out. I worked with uh, my, my buddy Ross. I used to work with him. He used to um, be a manager at the Triple Door, I guess. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I've been there a few times. They do a lot of uh, burlesque shows there. Really? I've had have friends that are I've burlesque performers that have been there. 
Could be um, fun. Yeah, it's cool. It's like a cabaret type thing. Also, side note, I just saw that they're announcing a lot of live shows um, coming up in the next couple of months. So they're probably like one of the first venues to start opening up in Seattle. Nice. Triple door. Yeah. Um, That's exciting. That's good news. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then where are we at with these guys? Um, so uh, one thing I've noticed, I think... Um, is it Go? Is he the lead sort of kind of guy? I is think he's thing? like the singer and like, drummer. Yeah. yeah. I think he's kind of like, if there's a lead guy, he's kind of the go-to. But yeah. I don't think, he's not like Mr. Frontman. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, it wasn't him then maybe. It was like the, the guy that does the acoustic guitar and stuff. Okay. But, um, he was saying that um, as they've progressed, that they're actually starting to try and do things musically that are more structured. Mm-hmm. Um, and more like song-like kind of thing mm-hmm. with their arrangements. Um, he said that something they've been sort of doing more and more as they've been progressing throughout the years, and instead of keeping it so free from, which they still do a lot, mm-hmm. especially their 2021 stuff. Is it 2020 or 2021, the latest stuff? 2021, I think, yeah. I think it's 2021. Yeah, yeah. They had um, stuff in 2022. Yeah. 2020 also, not 2022, but hopefully they will have <laughs> stuff in 2022 also. Oh my god, I'm so confused. Right <laughs> I know, like, what did he just say? <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing that they've been sort mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of experimenting with. And someone I've been thinking a lot about as well when I'm trying to create music is like maybe trying to s- start with a structure, traditional structure of like intro, verse, chorus, middle eight. Mm-hmm. It's like it's kind of a nice little um, blueprint to maybe kind of write to or something like that like you know mm-hmm. i need an intro part what's the intro part gonna be kind of thing need a what, verse part yeah like, like we've discussed yeah. before like if you give yourself some structure sometimes yeah. that allows you more freedom yeah you know for for expressing what you want to express given those limitations yeah and something i noticed as well in um the episode we did about alexandra savior because that um i just re-watched that recently and about how alex turner had more of a structural approach to writing music mm-hmm. when he was working with her kind of thing. Um, and it, yeah, just, yeah, I think it's a good, I, I love that there. album. Yeah. yeah Belladonna yeah. of sadness, Belladonna of sadness. that uh, Alexandra savior and um, Alex Turner, Alex Turner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that one's great. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a good point though. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to hear him do, I, I would be happy to hear him do a little bit more poppy stuff because the, the kind of droney landscape, Mm-hmm. psychedelic stuff is great and i love it that's why i fell in love with kikigaku moyo mm-hmm. um but like we heard in that last track they, they they can do a little bit of a bop a little bit of a groove with vocals yeah and i think that fits in with their sound really yeah. well yeah. i love some of that stuff they have a couple songs where they they have two of the guys singing like the guy on drums is singing and then the guitarist is also singing and they're kind of doing these kind of separate lines almost call and response but almost kind of harmonizing at the same time mm. Um, so cool just kind of you know inventive ways to to do vocals and they just have these like nice soft little voices usually they're not like screaming or anything it's just like real chill almost like asmr (laughs) vocals over their psychedelic stuff yeah 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 so i mean i love these guys it's awesome so they yeah they got their guru guru brains going yeah um and one thing cool about that their label that they started that was based in amazon um amsterdam yeah like we were just talking about a few minutes ago, is um, he, they were super inspired by Flightless Records, which is a different mm-hmm. label. And that record label is owned by the drummer of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh, wow. Who's another psychedelic rock band, I think, from the US. Okay. And they're pretty I've huge. I've heard of them. Yeah, I've heard of them too. I've heard some of my friends say, oh, this is my favorite band. Mm. And I have yet to look into them and actually dive in. Yeah. So they're another one that's been on my mind for a couple of years that Rooster Grooves is probably a perfect excuse to to Definitely, yeah. dive on to some research and, and get into them because I just only hear great things about them. Obviously, they keep coming up and they're influencing these guys who we're talking about. Mm. Um, and that's super cool. So, I, I mean, yeah, the drummer, Eric Moore, drummer of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, and he met those guys at a festival in Italy when they were both playing. And um, I think it was, uh, I think it was Go... Kurosawa, one of the Kurosawa brothers, um, they met him in Carlton in 2017 when they came to Australia for Gizfest. Hmm. 
And then, yeah, I said everything is still DIY. I think Eric Moore said that everything's DIY. All the friends are helping each other and it became kind of a community. And Guru Guru Brain is trying to do that same thing, kind of mirror what, you know, take that inspiration and kind of do what they were doing, especially for the Asian psychedelic bands yeah, yeah. That, that they love and kind of bring those into the limelight yeah. a little bit. So cool to see that inspiration and see that connection and networking. Yeah. Um, because it, it, it's, it's helping propel their own band, Kikigaku Moyo, by the inspirations. And they're, they're literally just like, oh, these guys do something really well. Let's go with that. Yeah. Like they find like truth in something and they're like, we believe in this. Let's do that. Yeah. And it seems to be work, working really well for them. Definitely. Yeah. So a cool little tidbit yeah. getting King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard in this conversation. <laughs> I'm surprised. Oh, I, could, I don't think I could say that name in one game. I know. I was like, I'm not going to. I, I already started saying, I said King. I have to go the whole way. I think you can get away with King Gizzard. Yeah. People know what you're talking about. Have you heard of Mars Volta Project? Mars Volta? I think so. What's the name? Yeah, Delaus in the Court. Comatorium, their first album is my number one album. Oh, really? I love that album. It's, yeah, I've heard there's some of their stuff. Not for a long time. I really liked it. I wondered if they're similar to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. <laughs> is that it? Is that, how it's that, that was it. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I did. I wouldn't put those two together. Okay, they're not. I, okay. I, I, more. I haven't, re- I haven't really listened to King Lizard well, and the Wizard. <laughs> I, I, King Lizard and the Lizard Wizard. Um, I, I, I haven't listened to King Gizzard too much. To okay. say either, but I think Mars Volta is more like post post punk, okay, yeah, progressive, yeah, post punk, and then King Gizzard is more like psychedelic rock, okay. Got I it. think, but yeah, it's two different styles of psychedelic rock because I would certainly say Mars Volta is psychedelic for sure, yeah, but in a, a little bit of a different way, <clears throat> and I'm not prepared to like back that up with a reason, okay. But I'm just going off my general feeling and vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like King Gizzard, I think I might be wrong, but he's a little more like kind of like dirty and gritty mm-hmm. kind of sound with guitars and stuff. Um, and I'm probably wrong for saying this stuff, but I know Mars Volta Delaus in the Quimitorium is more clean. Okay, yeah. And it has both Flea playing bass on it. Oh, right. And it has, um, what's the guitarist of Chili Peppers? Frisconti. John okay, well, is on that album too. Yeah, uh, I didn't it's know that. It's amazing. Really? It's my I favorite. I did not know that. Mars Volta. Yeah. Okay. Listen to that later. We'll, we'll talk about them yeah. at uh, some point on this show because, I mean, yeah, like I said, that's my favorite album. Yeah. They're clean. To, what, okay, I'm going off. Because I know, I know John Frusciante would bring in, he would, on the Chili Peppers, he brought in the kind of clean guitar yeah. to, for a more modern sound. Right. And that certainly translates to DeLoused in the Quimitorium because he was obviously the guitarist and kind of using similar sounds. So they're like playing really hard and okay. loud and stuff, but still kind of clean guitar. Okay. And it's a cool dichotomy. Okay. I love it. I don't know. Sorry to interrupt. No, I was just going to, for some reason, I was going to bring up Muse because when I think about those bands, I think about Muse, but mm-hmm. I, it's, is it, it's different, right? Muse is more grand, operatic. yeah. Muse is yeah, theatrical, theatrical, yeah. But they do rock, yeah, and they are they they do do some cool stuff. Um, how would I go between them and and Mars Volta? Yeah, Mars Volta is just a little bit more unhinged. Okay, like a little bit more, um, like dissonant mm-hmm. with a lot of the like. It sounds like like the rhythm section is sick. And they're like they're rocking out, but the guitar the guitar is almost always doing something that's like dissonant and like stretching the chord as far as it could go in the key of what whatever they're playing. Mm. And so it just always feels like it's really stretching. Okay. And then Muse just feels like it's more like grounded and planned, dramatic out. and theatrical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I wasn't prepared to talk about this stuff, so I'm just <laughs> going off the top of my head. Oh, uh, but it's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but all these bands we're talking about are great. Muse is great. Mars Volta is great. Yeah. Kikigaku Moyo is great. Yeah. And even King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. <laughs> Gotta check them out. Yeah. They had a lot of, they've had a lot of albums out, I think, right? I think I think they have a lot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think they have a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, I haven't really checked them out. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Kikigaku, do we have anything more on these guys? Um, well, I just play that track from their one, two, three, fourth album, House in the Tall Grass. 
We've got one more track lined up from Masana Temples, which came out in 2018. Mm -hmm. And that's the album that I discovered them. Yeah. That's the one that was playing, and I, I first listened to that one. So that's kind of my yeah doorway, my pathway into the rest of their stuff. And I think that was their last like full-on Purely Them album, because their latest thing is a collaboration, I think, with Riley Walker. The, uh, the Deep Fried Grandeur? Yeah. Yeah. Which is... Um, it's basically, it's only like two, or was it two or three tracks on there, but they're each like 20 minutes long or something like that. So it's oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, a full-on album. but um, Yeah, just yeah. to be clear, let's go over this real quick. Their first album, Kikagaku Moyo, self-titled in 2013, that's on Sound Effect Records and Cosmic Eye. Mm -hmm. Then their second record, Mammatus Clouds, on Sky Lantern Records. And these are like, I think some of these are Greek labels or European labels or something. Yeah, Momentous Clouds was two, 2014. All, also, 2014 was Forest of the Lost Children. That's on Beyond Beyond is Beyond Records. Yeah. And then 2016, House in the Tall Grass is their fourth record. And that was the first one on Guru Guru Brain. Yeah. Um, then also 2018, Masana Temples, also on Guru Guru Brain. Mm -hmm. And then I think they, have a, they had a live album in 2021 that they released on Reverb Nation. And then this one we were just talking about, Deep Fried Grandeur, who's a collaboration with Riley Walker. Mm -hmm. um, that's on Husky Pants Records. Mm -hmm. So I guess they switched it up, probably because that's Riley Walker's record label or yeah, something. Probably, yeah. Um, but that just came out in 2021, and I have not listened to that one yet. Yeah, yeah. I think I started out with that uh, when I was listening to their stuff. I just, you know, I think it's like an impulsive thing to do and right now at this point. What's the, see, the newest? What's the newest thing? What are they doing right now? And then I'll go back and check out the earlier stuff sort of thing so it's Great really way. good it's like um uh probably a bit more jazzier maybe in some ways i could um, i could see how i don't know who riley walker is yeah I, i'm not familiar but i can I see how name but i didn't really never really i could just feel it. how having somebody else another entity work with that band with yeah. what they have with what kikagaku has going on yeah. how that can inspire some really cool music yeah add a little bit of jazz in there or add, add a little bit of anything else would be fun yeah. it sounds like anything sounds like they could go far in any direction with any yeah, collaboration I because could, they're so free form kind of thing yeah right? and they're, they're so um you know free with their minds like they're they're not afraid to be creative they're not try afraid to try something new yeah and it's exciting and yeah. that's why i keep coming back to these guys which were, was why i was excited to talk about them today yeah so super cool yeah um that's that you got any else anything else i think that's, that's what we got right now that's yeah. all i got on kikagaku moyo but i was yeah. excited to talk about them today and definitely i don't know hopefully this podcast was okay i feel like i've been fumbling over my words on this one the whole time because we i think because no. we skipped last week because something came up because no, we've been good i've enjoyed this talking about them today yeah for the listeners that don't know we, we went wild and crazy live on instagram last uh, <laughs> yeah. week when we we're supposed to record these episodes <laughs> which was fun we, we had uh, some guests from all over the world mm -hmm. well la and <laughs> london or not london uh, but, colorado uh, yeah colorado la and uh, my friend in bournemouth uk but he was over there yeah yeah across the pond so that was pretty fun getting getting that group of people yeah i think we're going to do that more often as well so Follow, yeah um follow roots degrees on instagram just roots degrees mm -hmm. uh, also follow signal radio on instagram as well yeah and we're gonna try and do some more things because they're fun to do and yeah but we we uh didn't do these last week but. yeah and that's, so that's my <laughs> excuse is what i'm saying is we took last week off having a conversation and that's Exactly. My brain turned off, I guess. But we're still pumping these episodes out on the weekly, so mm -hmm. no disruption. Yeah, usually yeah. on Monday, we're trying to get that a super mm -hmm. hard release day of Monday. Mm -hmm. um, on all the yeah, all the podcast platforms, you can guarantee Brewster Groups, 9 a.m. Monday, PST, you know, and then yeah. I don't know whatever time zone anyone else is in. But. And if you like our faces, <laughs> we, we're on YouTube, so yeah. you can watch the whole video of each podcast on there, too, just throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, but that's all I got on these guys. Let's play out on the track. Thank you for being here, everybody. It was great. Yeah, thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for talking, Jay. Always glad to be here on Rooster Grooves with you. Yeah, man. Good stuff. I'm going to play this track, Nazo Nazo from Masana Temples. Real quick, though, if you want to hit us up with any information, any other tidbits, anything at all, we'd love to hear from you. And Jay has still said he's going to give you a bag of money. Bag if of cash. The first person who emails us at 
Roots to Grooves at signalradio.com. S-I-G-N-L radio.com. Bag of cash waiting for you. He said it. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> All, All right. right. We'll catch you next time. Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S I G N L radio.com.